Great to see everybody today. Man, it's a blessing. I'm, I'm blessed to be your pastor. My wife and I serve as the campus pastors here at uh, the West Sacramento campus of Project Church. Next week, we celebrate six years as a church as a whole. About three and a half as this campus has been here. Um, but it's a blessing to, to be in my role, and my wife and I both feel really blessed in all areas of our life. I want to open up with sharing about a book I read about a year ago that kind of came up again, and it was this powerful truth. And this uh, author wrote this book because he was continually having issues with his life. And uh, I know nobody can relate to that, but he was ha continually having issues that would just come up and he would take care of them. There would be this sin that came up into his life and rear its ugly head. Then he would submit it to God and repent, and go to church and come forward, get prayed for, and then go back. And time would go by and he'd jump right back into it. And he talked about how he was just continually in this pattern. And, uh, and then one day his dad, who was also a pastor, called him up and, uh, and said, hey, Carlos... It's time you've been cleaning up the cobwebs for a long time. That's what he said. You've been cleaning up the cobwebs. You've been having all these issues, and you're going into your house, and you're cleaning up the cobwebs. But the problem is that spider keeps coming back and putting up the cobwebs, and you're dealing with the surface-level issue. You're cleaning it up for a minute, but then the spider comes right back up and, and starts making the, putting the cobwebs up right where they were when you cleaned them up. And he said to him, he said, Carlos... It's time for you to kill the spider. And I believe that's so important for us to think about because I believe that's such a common theme that not only the author of the book had is where we're thinking, hey, I want to clean up my life. I want to bring my life to the next level. I want to improve my overall health, mental, physical, and emotional health. And we're dealing with the surface level stuff. Many of us are cleaning up cobwebs. We're just clean. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is an area of my life. It's not going good. I have this issue. I'm, it's not looking good. So I'm going to clean this up. I'm gonna even going to give it to God and uh, repent. But what happens is that comes back. And the spite, we're not digging down to the root of the problem, but we're de dealing with surface level issues. We're surface level solutions to our surface level problems. And today I want to get a little deep. I want to go down to some of the roots of the problems that we may have, and I believe that it's so internal. It's not about external that we need to worry about of what people see and what, what people may think about you, but our, our, the solution to a, to a deep problem is a deep solution, not a surface level, but an internal problem needs an internal solution. And so that's what we're talking about today. As we read that passage, man, that's... That is a passage I continually hold on to because it says, hey, don't carry your anxiety. Don't hold on to your anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything, which sums it up. So if you're anxious about something, don't. That's what scripture says, but don't just say, okay, what else do I do? But it says, but trust in God, but put your faith, but let your request be known to God with thanksgiving. So we're going to break this down a little bit. And I believe some of us today need to kill that spider today. I don't know what that is, but I believe I, I, I was reminded of that passage or that book that I read and I felt like bringing it up in this concept that I believe is a biblical concept that we need to kill at the root grab the grab you know when you pull up some weeds you're gardening and you just you know grab the top of them and you don't get the root it's just going to grow right back up some of us today I believe we got some some issues in our life I want to challenge you hey this isn't easy I'm I'm being real it's I know exactly how it is is we're going to have to grab deep and it's going to be painful, but pull the root all the way out and kill the spider 
in our lives. And um, I want to look at this passage a little deeper. Um, every part of our life is, is reflected, is a result of what our thoughts are. Our entire being, our entire success or failure at life can, I believe, can be determined by our perspective, our outlook, which is our thoughts. And so I asked the question on the newsletter. I don't know if you all get that newsletter, but I wrote out, hey, someone has estimated that we have 70,000 thoughts every single day. That's a big number, 70,000 thoughts every day. And so I asked the question, have you ever thought about what you're thinking about? Because it's important. We say, hey, don't, if, you, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you have these issues, you know what the solution is? Giving it all over to, to God in prayer, but also retraining your brain and how we think about things and thinking on the good things. So Philippians is an amazing book, and we're kind of basing uh, the entire series on this chapter right here, chapter four. And uh, the cool thing about the book of Philippians, it's not to the Filipinos as I thought of when, it, when I first read, opened up the Bible, got saved. I is, just want to let you know that because some may think that like I did. It was actually to a church uh, in a city called Philippi. And uh, Paul was writing from prison. So check this out. Paul was writing from prison. He was in prison because he was sharing the gospel. And, uh, and he's in prison. And the theme of this book is joy despite circumstances. So you know he's a solid source. You know if someone like writes about like getting into shape and they're out of shape, like you don't have the, the credibility on that. But, but Paul is chained to a wall, and he's writing this scripture. I don't know how long the chains were. I couldn't find a theological source to find out exactly. But he was writing in prison, and he was writing about joy. If I could put a title on the book of Philippians, it'd be called Joy No Matter What. It'd be a subtitle, You Have No Excuse. I got it worse. Like, someone's always got it worse. It's a long title, work in progress. But somebody has always got it worse than you. And you can look at Paul and say, man, he had joy despite being in prison. And despite being, being uh, persecuted continually throughout his life. And one, one thing I love about the book of Philippians is that, um, is that he, this is the, the letter that is the least criticized. Meaning the least critical, I should say. Most of the books, that, or most of the letters that Paul writes is, are very... Uh, very corrective in spirit. Like the example, you read First and First and Second Corinthians. Man, that church was jacked up. He was writing. He's like, "Look, you guys are doing this. You guys are doing it. What are you thinking? You are all messed up. And here's what you need to do." But the book of Philippians is primarily just praise. He's thanking them. It's four chapters of praise to to the uh, book to the people and the church, the Christians in this city called Philippi. And so I love it. But but it brings up this idea of anxiety towards the end. It brings up, hey, some of you obviously are anxious, otherwise I wouldn't be talking about this. Some of you, because it's a part of life, we have anxiety, and um, it's an interesting topic, because I don't think anybody can say, like, oh, I, I can't relate to that. I can never relate to being anxious or stressed. So this is something we all need to lean into, and God's Word really highlights this in a powerful way. Brings up this idea of anxiety, and I believe paints the picture of how we're supposed to kill the spiders in our lives. Um, so I want to talk about four things that I just noticed from this passage. I encourage you to read the Word of God 
on your own. Read this passage this week and say, you know, it's, it's not my job to, to fill you up for the week. I believe we need, we need to be in the word every single day. I believe we need to, to find these things just like I'm doing. Like, I don't have anything special about me that you can't access on your own. I'm, I'm opening the word of God just like you. So I encourage you to, to do that, and, and even this passage this week. But verse 6, it starts off with saying, don't be anxious about anything. Everything, uh, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests known, be known to God. So the first thing I want to encourage you with that, First verse is we need to humble ourselves and humble ourselves in prayer. And if I was like, if you read the, the book, uh, read the Bible um, from Genesis to Revelation, and one of the themes, at least I notice the most, is this idea of pride and humility. Like it's continual, like pride, humility. Like the Israelites become proud and then God humbles them. And then they get proud again and say, no, we got this on our own. And then they, then God humbles them. And I would say the most important characteristic in your life is humility. And humility is realizing that you can't do it on your own. So I think it's so awesome to, that, we re, that we see this passage and the, along with this common theme of anxiety because we realize how humility and anxiety are connected. For the longest time, I was like, I don't get, I, I don't really see it. Now, I want to ask you just off the top of your heads, think about it for a second. How are humility and anxiety connected to each other? What, what, what relationships do they have to play? To, what relationship do they have together? I want to read verse, uh, verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 5, and this, this highlights it a little bit. This is one of my favorite passages as well. Chapter 5, verse 5 through 7. First Peter, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Close your, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And verse 7 connects to you. We just talked about humility. And it says, Casting all anxieties on him because he cares for you. Here's how I believe those two things are connected. Humility and anxiety. Anxiety and humility. Anxiety is being prideful, which is the opposite of humility. Because anxiety is you're taking that stress on yourself and you're saying, hey, I can do this on my own. Anxiety is very prideful. Anxiety has no humility. If you have anxiety in your life, you're not being very humble because in your mind, you're saying, I need to take care of this myself, and this is on me to take care of, and you're not letting room for God to move. You're saying, hey, I got this. I'm going to have to figure this out. I'm going to have to work this out. I'm, it, this, it's all me. I got this, and I appreciate responsibility. I appreciate hard workers and that mentality. But if you're not humble and if you don't lay your issues out before God, man, you're not giving him to move. The creator of the universe is saying, okay, it looks like you got it. Let's see how that goes for you. Because God says, hey, the opposite of pride is humility. The opposite of humility is pride. So he says, I'm going to give grace to the humble. But what am I going to do towards the proud? According to verse 6, I'm going to oppose the proud. Now, that word, I've studied it several times. One of my favorite passages. That word actually is just a warfare term opposition. It is not just like, hey, I don't, you know, like, we're not friends right now. I'm not talking to you. It's like, I'm going to go to battle with you. 
I do not want to go to battle with God. He wins every time. So this is a game changer. If we, if we realize, man, are we being prideful and we holding our stress, our anxiety and saying, I got this. But we need to call upon him because he cares for us. That's what his words. We need to cast our care, cast our anxiety upon him because he cares for us. So right now, if you're saying, man, I don't, I, I can do, I don't have any issues like this. I can handle this on my own. I can handle my stress and fr- frustration. You're not designed to carry that stress and frustration. You ever wonder why you feel so burnt out, so physically exhausted when you do carry that stress? It's because your bodies physically are not designed to carry stress like that. It's because you need to be giving that stress, that anxiety over to God and saying, hey, I'm going to stop being prideful, God. I realize I can't deal with this. I realize I'm not able to figure out everything in my life and this stress and these these hurts and these wounds. I'm going to give them over to you, God, because I can't take them. Humble yourself before God, casting all care upon him. Second thing I, I really like is um, the word guard. You see that, ver- see that word in there, and the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, will guard our hearts, uh, will guard, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so what I want to encourage you with looking at that verse is we need to guard what we allow in. Guard what, we, guard what words come into our heart and mind. And uh, I know it says that, that Christ Jesus will guard our hearts and minds, but we need to allow him to do the guarding. Um, several years ago, uh, while well, I was a youth pastor, while well, my wife and I were youth pastors, man, we put all our energy into this, and so much of our lives were just dedicated to, to creating an atmosphere for teenagers to find Jesus and to grow in their faith and to live their life for Jesus when they're adults. And um, sometimes we saw God do great things, and sometimes it was really discouraging because they were teenagers and they wanted to do their own thing. And one time we just did this big event, and I think it was the next week afterwards, there was this 12-year-old kid that came, after, came up to me afterwards, and uh, the, the youth group we had on Wednesday night was over, and he came up and he says, hey, man, the other group, youth group I go to is way better. And just, like, walked off, and I was like, okay, cool. Thanks, thanks for that. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> Appreciate it. And it was funny how much a 12-year-old kid, I, how much those words from a 12-year-old kid I let get into my heart. Now, you could say, man, that, that was messed up of him. He shouldn't have said that. He was 12 years old. There was some ignorance there. I'll, I'll give him that. But here's the reality. What, whatever, I could, I could blame everyone else, but the reality is I let his words get into my heart. I let his words, because I remember thinking about that. And I, like I said, I put so much into it, and someone said, man, the other guy's is way better. I'm like, oh. And I let those words sink into my heart, and I remember having to take that thought captive. I remember recognizing it and realizing, man, I'm dwelling on this. I'm dwelling on this. I'm thinking, because of these, this person's words, I'm, I'm basing my success on someone else's words, I'm, based, I'm feeling like I'm a failure because I put it, I tried my best and I, apparently someone else is doing it better. According to a 12-year-old. Like that's not, that's not the factor of what someone says to you. See, we allow people's words into our hearts. We're setting ourselves up for failure. We have to have the filter that we have to allow God to guard our hearts. We have to be cautious. We have to guard what we are allowing in because people will come up to you and say things to you that are hurtful. 
Like, that's what people do. We're messed up and we say things without recognizing they're going to hurt. Or maybe some people do it intentionally. Maybe that 12-year-old kid did it intentionally. And the reality is that it's our job. We can point blame and say, man, that was so messed up. But we have a responsibility to guard our heart. And because when we allow those things in, we're setting ourselves up for failure. And so I remember writing those words down. I was thinking, because I like to journal a lot. I, I do it continually. It helps get my thoughts out because sometimes it's just all these thoughts are rattling around in my head and I want to make sense of them. And I remember writing that down of like, man, uh, this kid said this and honestly it was really discouraging. And as I started saying that out loud, I'm like, well, wait a second. Why would I base my success and like let someone, let someone else define my success when God asked me just to be faithful? When God asked me just to serve in, in this way to these teenagers, regardless of whether they like it or not, God's, God's answer to me was like, hey, I'm, I'm proud of you. It doesn't matter what someone else is, needs to say. So some of us need to be cognizant of what we're allowing in, what we're allowing, allowing our heart to do. And, and as, as big of a deal that is, the next verse, you know, as I said, cast all care upon him because he cares for you. The next verse talks about spiritual warfare. First Peter 5 Verse 8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful, because why? Because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, spiritual warfare is happening in your mind. Spiritual warfare is happening through the words people say to you and whether or not they're, you're going to allow them into your heart. And many of us just think, man, it's no big deal. Someone said something. But no, we are the guards of our heart. Man, we need to guard what we allow into our hearts and minds and the, because the enemy is going to use that. I'm not saying the enemy was someone who is going to be someone who talks to you. That's not the devil. But the devil wants to use that. That is a spiritual warfare that happens how, on how you filter what comes into your heart. So I want to encourage us someday that we, some, some of us today, is that some of us are letting the, the devil, this prowling lion, he's looking and he's looking for whom he wants to devour. And he's going to devour, the, the, he's rolling around, prowling around like a lion. That's what it says, seeking someone to devour. And he's looking for someone who's not guarding their heart. And just like a lion prowls around, he's looking for someone who's not paying attention. But we need to be sober-minded. We need to be watchful of saying, what am I allowing into my heart? And we need to put Jesus, we need to put Jesus as the guard. He will guard your minds and hearts with his peace. So my question is, what are you allowing in? And I, and I made this point a little broader because I think it's important to, to think about all avenues, our physical health included. What are we allowing into our bodies? I know, and this is pretty like countercultural because we just passed out cookies. I'm like, okay. But what are we allowing into our physical bodies? Because here's something we don't talk about church often is our physical health. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about sexual immorality in this case because the church in Corinthians, I just referred to it, was really messed up, had a lot of sexual sin. And they were saying, hey, Paul was writing to them and saying, hey, do you not realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that, you're, that, you're, that the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was in that tent. The tabernacle, the thing you set up, and this is only a one person can go in there. But now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like, he's asking that question. Do you realize, and I pose it to you, do you realize that? 
We need to be taking care of our mental health, our emotional health, guarding what comes into our heart, guarding what comes into our bodies. And a lot of times we can discount that passage in, in church. We tend to shy away from it. But I want to encourage you with that. Are you taking care of your temple? Are you taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit that God's trusted us with? And this all connects to our mental, emotional health. We, and we can't separate the physical because as one improves, the other improves. And as one seems to falter, the other seems to falter and bring the other one down with it. So what are you allowing in? The third thing is this, as I read um, verse 8, is asking the question, what are, what are you dwelling on? Because it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things, right? Think about these things. And so as I was reading this, I was like, this passage kind of sounds a little... I don't know, a little kiddish, just says, like, think happy thoughts. That's what I thought about Peter Pan. I kept thinking about Peter Pan while I was reading this passage. Just think, think happy thoughts. And the reality of it is that is 100% accurate. Peter Pan had it on the nose where he's like, think happy thoughts. We do need to think happy thoughts. But what I was wrestling with in my mind was, is that, is that, is that it? But it's much bigger than that because in, in two chapters prior, uh, he, he talks about how we have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And that we cannot only just think about godly things, think about things that are worthy of praise, think of these things that are, are joyful, or ha- think happy thoughts. But we can have the mind of Christ. As a matter of fact, we have the mind of Christ. If we know Jesus, he's given that to us. And he will think, and, or he will give us his thoughts. And that's something we can't discount. So I believe something uh, that's tied into this passage as we just look at what are we thinking about? What are we dwelling on? We need to think about, man, are we having the mind of Christ? Are we asking God? Are we putting our focus on God and realizing his thoughts can become our thoughts? The last thing, and, and uh, tying into verse 8 as well, is we need to let go of our hurts. And this is where I was going with the whole Peter Pan thing is it's a little bit more than just thinking happy thoughts. Because as I was, as I was thinking about how that could be interpreted, someone just says, hey, the Bible says just think happy thoughts. And if you had some bad stuff happen to you, just forget about it and think happy thoughts. Like that's what I was thinking of how I would probably interpret that. Because I've had some messed up stuff happen to me. And you have had messed up stuff happen to you. And so are you just supposed to just to ignore those things? Or are you supposed to suppress those things? That's what I thought of when I, when I was tra- interpreting that passage that way, is you could see it as just suppressing those things. But I believe it's so much uh, more than that. This verse doesn't mean suppressing the bad things. It doesn't just mean thinking good things means suppressing the bad things. I've seen mentality fail time and time again of just saying, hey, I'm just going to put on a smile and ignore the bad things, the hurts that have happened to me. But what it really means is hurts that you have that, off, um, hurts you have that others have done to you are real and they should not be suppressed. Because just like when you, just like when you put something underwater, like you put a bucket uh, upside down, for some reason I was thinking about this, you put a bucket uh, upside down, you try to put it underwater, and you, you're just like holding it down, but there's air in there, and it just wants to come back up. It's just like that. Like, 
you try to suppress these things, it's just going to pop up somewhere else. And if we try to suppress those things, it's going to come up. So how do you let go of the hurts? I'm encouraging you, church, not to, that thinking on, on these godly things doesn't mean suppressing the hurts, but it actually means letting go. And here's, here's three things. I know I gave you four points, but here's three points onto the fourth point is what it means to, to really let go of hurts is to, rec- number one, recognize. You recognize it. And here's, the, here's something that a lot of people don't realize is that forgiving doesn't mean what that person did to me is okay. It's not, it's not putting a stamp and saying, hey, that was no big deal. It's all good. It's actually forgiving someone is fully recognizing the weight that this person did to you. But what you're doing as you recognize it, and the second step is to forgive. And when you forgive, you say, I'm no longer holding this against you. I'm not, I'm not harvesting bitterness. I'm not holding a grudge against someone, but I'm recognizing it, and then I'm going to let it go. And the third step is this, repeat as necessary. I believe forgiveness is a process. We need to recognize. We need to forgive. We need to repeat. We need to recognize, man, this hurt. We need to forgive. I'm not holding this against you. We need to repeat. I believe some of us in here today, maybe we've tried to, to, to handle this in our own way, try to suppress this and try to just think happy thoughts and let it go away. But some of us need to realize that, that if we're trying to suppress something, it's not gonna, it's gonna come out in another area of our life. And we're maybe realizing this, and this is where I'm coming to you about killing the spider. This is it for some of us. We've suppressed this hurt. We've suppressed this, suppressed this unforgiveness in our life, this bitterness, this grudge we have, and we're pushing it down in this area, and it's coming up over here, and then we're pushing it down here, and it's coming up, and we're cleaning the cobwebs, but it just keeps coming back up. And so I believe today, even, even making the decision to say, I'm going to forgive this person. I'm going to recognize. I'm going to forgive. comes up next week. I'm going to repeat. Recognize, forgive, repeat. Recognize, forgive, repeat. If the band wants to come up, I want to challenge you with that. And I believe, uh, I just had these three points to start off with, and I just felt like coming back to this point. You know, we need to, we need to um, humble ourselves in prayer, and we need to uh, retrain our brain. But, but I believe it's also important for us to let go of the hurts. That's part of this passage is of humbling ourselves and, and, and improving our health from within. What are we thinking about? What are we dwelling on? What are we allowing into our hearts but also letting go of the hurts. That's because otherwise we're not really guarding something. We're just keeping something in. We're not, we're not guarding our hearts from, from, from wrongful thoughts, from bitterness and, and grudges. We're, we're allowing it to stay there. And I understand this is a very hard thing to do, so I'm, and I've been praying for you. Whoever, whoever this is today, maybe it's the majority of us. I believe that we all have something messed up to that's been happened to us. So the odds are the majority of us do have these hurts that we've been holding on to. And maybe we've even came back and we've said, well, I've forgiven them, but it keeps coming back. Like I said, forgiveness is a process. I've experienced that so many times when I've had hurt and then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm forgiving God. I'm humbling this over to you. Then a month later, all of a sudden it's, it's there again. I'm like, man, why am I, you know, you ever have triggers? You see something, someone's doing all of a sudden that triggers you and you have this anxiety and you have this frustration, you have bitterness in your heart, and you're like, wait, I thought I gave that over to God. Sometimes it is a process. Sometimes it is, it comes back, and you need to repeat. Go back to step one and recognize, forgive. It comes back. Step three is repeat. Recognize, forgive, repeat. So I want us to, to bow our heads in this place, and I just